Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Kodo listeners. This is Matt Hoish from the Kodo News Team. Welcome to another installment of Off the Record. Tonight, we are chatting about wildfire. It is one of those scary but very real realities in the region that we live in um, that, frankly, it seems like it's really not a matter of if but when each of us is going to have to face the threat and challenge of wildfire in our lives. And really, when it comes to wildfires, I think it goes without saying, better safe than sorry. Um, so we are joined tonight in studio by our local district chief for the Telluride Fire Protection District, John Bennett. John, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. John is also the chair of the West Region Wildfire Council, and we have another member of the West Region Wildfire Council, the executive director of the organization, Jamie Gomez, joining us over Zoom. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Listeners, as always on Off the Record, it's Colin Show. If you have a question or a comment about wildfires, wildfire preparedness, give us a call, 970-728-4333. One more time, 970-728-4333. I'm going to start off to both of you, actually, with a bit of a softball, but always interesting question. I'm curious for each of you um, how you got into the work that you're doing around wildfire, wildfire preparedness, and prevention. And um, Chief Bennett, we'll start with you. Okay, I got into it um, just based off of the job role and emergency response. And as I kind of uh, maneuvered through my career, uh, got involved with the West Region. We've always had partners with the BLM, the Forest Service, and uh, fairly recently upgraded uh, Colorado Division of Fire Prevention and Control. And the beauty is, uh, as I became involved with the West Region, uh, wildfire council they really became kind of that clearinghouse and that collaborator if you will for fire districts sheriff's departments the federal agency partners the state partners and they've done an amazing job to bring kind of the common mission vision and values um to to a center location to to have healthy discussion well i want to take it back even further i mean how did you get into firefighting in the first place <laughs> It's a long family business. Um, I could say that I've probably been involved for 50 years, but that would put me somewhere in the age bracket of six, and I don't think they made turnout <laughs> gear. But um, always been involved and, and around it, and, uh, you know, this is, this is my hometown, and I'm um, just proud to serve. Jamie, same question to you. How did you get involved in uh, wildfire prevention? Well, I actually would probably go back to uh, the early 2000s. I, uh, I was attending Fort Lewis College, and that's actually where I graduated. Um, I was studying environmental biology, and um, a professor of mine, uh, Dr. Julie Korb, um, was doing a fire ecology research project actually on the San Juan National Forest um, out kind of near Pagosa Springs, and um, recognized that I had an interest and in, in kind of uh, gave me an opportunity to join in and work as a field technician for that um, wildfire and forest fire ecology uh, long-term research project. And that's really kind of what got me really clued into this work. And um, really from there, I kind of continued to pursue, I wound up uh, eventually getting a degree in environmental biology and started working 
kind of in this field of um, kind of the intersection between wildfire, uh, forest, forest uh, ecology and uh, forest management and um, and certainly, you know, the wildfire safety and emergency response and those kinds of aspects. And so really uh, stepping into the position that I have now with the West Region Wildfire Council, it's honestly kind of a perfect intersection between all of those things. Um, so that's kind of what, what got me started with, with this line of work. Well, well, help me connect the dots for a sec again. I mean, you know, what, what was it about that work that, that interested you working with, with forests and, and wildfires? What was that initial spark? No, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, well, um, I, I guess, you know, one of the things that, uh, I, well, in general, I've always been interested in the outdoors and, um, and forests really just love them. I've grew up in Colorado and have loved the mountains and, and our forests, love spending time in them. Um, and what I came to learn, um, was that wildfire in particular is a critical component to our ecosystems, especially here on the Western slope of Colorado. They, they serve a natural function, um, but they also, um, with climate change and, and everything that is going on right now, um, have a, a certainly a uh, potential for catastrophic consequences. And so I think that's really, you know, my interest kind of stemmed out of that, of just recognizing the role of fire um, here in our part of the state. And um, yeah, that's pretty much what, what really kind of sparked my interest, so to speak. Mm. I'm going to hold on you for one more second, Jamie, and then I'll, I'll get back to, to Chief Bennett. Um, but I think a lot of folks know what our, the Tyred Fire Protection District does. Um, but I think some folks may be less familiar with the rest West Region Wildfire Council. Can you just give our listeners kind of the quick overview of, of what your organization is and what you do? Absolutely. So our organization, we're a nonprofit, um, and we work throughout six counties, which is this, the West Region um, so we work within Delta, Gunnison, Hinsdale, Montrose, Uray, and San Miguel counties. Um, and um, basically, we kind of do a couple different things. One, um, we bring together, as, as Chief Bennett was saying, we bring together uh, local governments, um, fire protection districts, and other special districts, um, you know, state agencies, like, as well as, as our federal land management agencies, um, bring all those folks together to uh, jointly set priorities um, and collaboratively come up with solutions to some of the various problems that we have. Um, in addition to that, um, we directly uh, work with, our staff directly works with homeowners and communities uh, to assess wildfire risk, to really understand, provide education, and then um, provide some uh, programming to uh, related to technical assistance as well as financial incentives to actually do wildfire risk mitigation work on the ground. Um, so it's really about bringing folks together to work on wildfire risk reduction in a proactive way ahead of the wildfire because um, there's actually a ton of things that um, you know our, our local governments and our special districts, our federal land management agencies and our uh, communities and community members can be doing right now ahead of the large wildfire that we're sure to have um and it's just really imperative that we actually um roll up our sleeves and actually start doing some of that work 
Well, a large part of this hour is going to really be dissecting into some of the, the nitty-gritty you're alluding to there, Jamie. Um, but first, I, I do want to turn over to Chief Bennett. Um, and, you know, Jamie over here is talking about this this massive wildfire, he says, that we're, we're bound to have over here. And I'm wondering if, Chief Bennett, you can talk about the wildfire risk outlook that we're looking at right now, um, at least for this this coming summer. I mean, how are things looking in our region? Well, at this point, um, you know, they've been calling for hotter and drier, and I, I think we're experiencing that. We had a pretty strong bout with some red flag warnings, high winds, uh, and that certainly is a, a component of wildfire that, that turns the table from something small and provides an, an avenue for uh, inherent and quick growth. Um, I, I think the the Marshall Fire just outside of uh, Boulder this last winter is a great example of what high winds do. Um, so, you know, in partnership with what we're talking about, you know, we're all trying to provide information for residents to prepare for that event. Um, you know, up in the high country right now, we're in pretty good shape, although we're starting to see higher temps and, and a pretty consistent breeze. Um, they are calling for early monsoonals in, in mid-June, 13 through 17, I believe. And uh, we'll see what that does. But, um, you know, we're in a changing environment. And we've had a couple of dry years. And I think all of those things together and, and to include, you know, the effects of, of weather change and, and environment change and, you know, it affects the forest health. Mm. So I, I don't feel like, you know, the resilience is, is what it, it once was. Well, and I want to tap into some of the, the firsthand expertise you alluded to earlier, Chief Bennett. I mean, you mentioned, you know, your hometown, you've kind of been in the fire business, you've said, for, for about five decades. Um, I mean, how have you seen this region change in your time here and your time as a, as a firefighter here? I mean, what are, have you seen these things firsthand altering? Well, I think the, the biggest and most noticeable is, you know, we're in an environment in the Telluride Valley that, that we're building further and further into the wildland urban interface the wooey as it's called. Um, so we're, we're building houses into the forest and, and incorporating the forest into that build. Um, you know, and, and that plays off well with the West Region Wildfire Council and, and Jamie Gomez's staff and the wonderful job they do with education, outreach and, and mitigation work. Um, and that's why that partnership is, is so strong and supported. Um, for us, as fire response, and that's an emergency response, you know, we're, <clears throat> we're trying to create opportunities and, and provide for safety with our responders. So it's roadwide thinning, it's, you know, doing zone one through three around homes based on, on their protection rates. Jamie and his staff do a great job about educating people on their home resilience, and that's the building materials, um, shake shingle roofs, those that receive um, and we now have some good data that supports kind of the mission that, that the West Region Wildfire Council is providing that educational basis off of. Mm. Jamie, um, and I'll just jump off from there, one of the, the, the services that you all offer at the West Region Wildfire Council um, is, is site visits for landowners who are, are living in the WUI, the Wildland Urban Interface. I'm wondering if you can kind of talk about those, those home assessments and, and what actually are the services that you all provide through that program. Absolutely. So um, essentially what, what we have, like you said, is, is a, a program whereby, you know, if you are able to sign up through our website, which is cowildfire.org, um, our wildfire mitigation specialist, his name is Aaron Johnson, 
um, we'll actually reach out to you um, and schedule a time to come out and meet on site on your property. Um, essentially, during that uh, home assessment, we are really evaluating um, all of the different types of vulnerabilities that your home um, and your entire property have with regards to wildfire. So, you know, typically we're looking, we're focusing um, on this, your, your home itself and any other structures on your property, looking at um, building materials and exactly the, the construction assembly. And we're making very site-specific recommendations that um, you can, as a homeowner, do to retrofit your home so that it is um, more res resistant to wildfire. One, um, one fact that is, is not necessarily well known is that um, it's actually embers that are the number one cause of home ignitions during a wildfire in many cases. And so there are things that can be done to mitigate the risk of embers actually landing on your home and it, um, causing an ignition. So we'll be looking at that um, pretty considerably and then um, after looking at the home itself, we kind of step back and start looking at your, what we call your defensible space zones, looking at the area immediately surrounding your home. Um, and what are those um, types of what we call vegetation management, but um, essentially is, you know, tree thinning, uh, pruning, uh, brush control, those kinds of practices that, um, that you can undertake right now uh, to change the way wildfire would potentially behave on your property and make it um, significantly low, uh, lower the intensity of that uh, wildfire behavior and provide an opportunity for first responders, uh, wildland firefighters and others to um, you know, protect your home. And then kind of moving out even beyond those defensible space, you know, depending on the size of your property, we're looking at um, your ingress and egress. In other words, how how safe and is it along your driveway or a common road um, into and out of your home? And then, um, you know, potentially depending on, you know, the exact circumstances, we might even be looking at an even broader scale throughout your entire community. Um, and that's another aspect of what we do. But with those initial site visits, we're, we typically are focused on the home and that immediate surrounding, surrounding area. And I'll just conclude by saying um, as kind of Part of that whole process, we have developed a, a mobile application that our, our wildfire mitigation specialist utilizes um, to essentially record all these recommendations. And um, essentially at the end of this, um, when our mitigation specialist gets back and gets back online, he's able to upload that, that data essentially, um, and it'll generate a uh, report, a PDF report, which we can email um, to to the homeowner and um, that way essentially the homeowner is left with a very um, specific and, and tailored um, and highly detailed um, set of uh, to-dos if you will things to actually do um, either in the short term or long term to start reducing risk uh, to the home and uh, to, for within the entire property. Can you talk about any of just like what are, are some there's are there some of the most common um, simple modifications that you think are most effective that most people just you know if they do this simple change they could they could really help protect their homes? Yeah, well, um, some of the most more common things we see um, certainly a number of homes uh, in the area were built with like cedar shake roof roofing on it on them. Um, those represent a significant vulnerability, especially for ember driven ignition. 
Um, and so replacing your, re, uh, replacing your roof is not a simple thing to do per se, but in terms of um, actually reducing your risk, it's a tremendously important thing to do. Um, on maybe on the, on the spectrum of more simple, um, one thing that we're recommending is actually um, the area immediately adjacent to your home, essentially within five feet of your home, we are recommending uh, to actually uh, install what we call a hardened zone, but basically an area that has really no vegetation um, and is, is typically is covered in rock. Um, and so what that does is if there's any kind of creeping fire on the ground, uh, say on the forest floor, um, that's coming up to your home, or if there's embers um, that are hitting your home, um, it essentially, you know, reduces the likelihood that the ignition is going to happen right up adjacent to the siding on your home. And so that, that hardened uh, zone, that five foot hardened zone is one of the recommendations that we're almost always making um, with, with wildland urban interface homeowners. Um, and, you know, it, it can be pretty challenging for some folks um, and, and certainly implementable for others. Um, another one is um, with decking. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we have a beautiful place uh, in the Telluride area and, and throughout your your, your listener uh, area. Um, so getting outside and being on your deck is certainly something that um, people love to do, but um, decks represent another vulnerability for ignition. And so, um, you know, enclosing your deck. Um, so if it's elevated off the ground by a few feet, um, there's the potential for embers uh, to actually uh, basically get swept underneath the deck in the wind uh, that's associated with a lot of wildfires and cause an ignition from below. So enclosing that deck. Another uh, couple other ones would be uh, screening, adequate screening um, on some of your vents, especially your uh, the, the vents that you find along soffits or on eaves uh, to basically vent the, your, the attic of your home. Uh, those need to be screened with eighth inch metal screening. Um, so a pretty tight mesh screening that prevents embers from actually flying into your, basically the attic or other openings in your home and actually causing ignition on the inside of your home. So those are a few of the things. Um, there's literally almost dozens of, of types of recommendations that we could be making just depending on your particular circumstances uh, with, with at least that home hardening aspect. And I think it's worth it's worth reiterating those site visits are are free for anyone who lives in in the Wooey, which I think is fair to say is is most people in our region. Um, yes. And the only other fact I I will throw out, Chief Chief Bennett gave me um this this book from the Fire Protection District, Ready Set Go, a kind of action guide for for wildfires. And one stat that really stuck out to me was was it says that studies show as many as eighty percent of homes lost to wildland fires could have been saved if their owners had fi- followed fire safe practices, which actually really surprised me that 80% of the homes lost could, could actually be saved during wildfires. Yeah. I mean, um, I think one of the, 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 the things that we're trying to dispel or the common notions or maybe a myth that we're trying to dispel is that, you know, these wildfires are massive. There's nothing you can do ahead of that. Um, basically you just need to get out and there's nothing that really can be done. That's just not quite true. Um, certainly some of the wildfires that you know we've seen in recent years are pretty significant when you have 40 mile an hour winds and 
you know, the humidities are just, uh, relative humidity is extremely low and everything is just extremely dry and, and you have hot, high temperatures, all those kinds of factors, it makes it extremely challenging. Um, with that being said, um, if, you know, as a homeowner or as a community, you are taking those proactive steps right now, um, you can you can make a difference with this. Um, and I, I think that's a, a myth that we are uh, trying to dispel. Hmm. Chief Bennett, um, Jamie kind of discussing, you know, changing myths and mindsets. I mean, from your point of view, how has your all's approach to, to fire, fire safety, fire prevention, I mean, how has that changed over the last several decades? I guess, are there any kind of myths that you all are, are really trying to shift or, or change? Well, I'll, I'll start with... Um kind of our basic mindset of training um you know when i started in this career we might have had a couple of wildfires and that was a forest service thing just let it go um you know i got involved we had a little incident kind of on the north side of town above um above uh the cornet water storage facility and and that piqued some interest and then i think from the tfpd standpoint we really became engaged with Colorado wildfires there was a big fire in Bailey that we sent a crew over for structure protection not really understanding exactly what that that mission was and then we had Burn Canyon just kind of west and and south of Norwood and that really turned turned the page for us I would say further this this relationship with West Region and our state and federal partners um, both on a training side um, and a collaboration we uh, with West Region did a parcel level um, site assessment, a quick assessment, 60 seconds, that gave us kind of 11 talking points, if you will, and it kind of backs up to, to Jamie's um, comment about a report card of, around your home. That site visit per um, the request on cowildfire.org, it gets a little bit deeper, but it has given us a good perspective of what we have to work with from driveways to building materials, turnarounds, all of those kinds of things. And, and really my perspective then was making sure that we were providing for safety for our folks and, and being able to get people out um, and into a safe location should this event happen. Mm. So, you know, the big piece for me is is it started with training and, and some really basic um, experiences that really drove kind of our expanding attention to wildfire in our community. Mm. And Chief Bennett, can you also just give actually the outline of, of the anatomy of the Telluride Fire Protection District? I mean, how many people are in it and what really are the, the local resources available to our community? So today, it's still a very volunteer-centric organization. We've got about 25 volunteer EMS providers and about 60, 62 volunteer firefighters. In addition to that, um, supported with a full-time equivalent staff of 18 operational, so three on duty out of station one in Telluride, three on duty out of station two in the Mountain Village, and our very strong response group out of station three in Placerville. Um, above and beyond that, we have uh, currently a three-person wildfire team that we bring on seasonal and they provide not only uh, we do local work here uh, with starting with some of our facilities and that sort of stuff we do some uh, some resident work uh, but we're also utilize them to support our region our neighbors down the street um, our states next door 
And uh, so we participate with a program through DFPC, again, Department of, or Division of Fire Prevention and Control. Um, and what we found is when we pay forward and we need them, they're here. And I think the, the Green Meadows fire last, last year, two years ago, um, time flies, um, was a great example of that with the aerial support, the DFPC, BLM, and U.S. Forest Service support we had pretty immediately. So we were ma- able to, to maintain that at about 62 acres mm. with zero loss to structure or mm. life, um, some structure damage to Jamie's points about kind of those risk zones within the home envelope. Mm. And that is something I, I, you mentioned paying it forward. I mean, I think a lot of people might not know that, that a lot of our local firefighters are going off to help with other fires in you know, other states even. Correct. This year we've been out to or assigned to three. Um, we did what DFPC has is, is got a new program called the Surge. So they pre-place when they expect high winds or red flag warnings. And our first assignment was just south of Pueblo. On day two they hit seven fires and maintained them at a low acreage. Our second assignment and uh, the wildland team just returned from a 21 day uh, cycle in uh, New Mexico on the Calf Fire. And then we also sent a surge team to the Sims Mesa Fire for 72 hours. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, this is Off the Record. I'm Matt Hoysh from the Kodo News Team. This hour, we are discussing wildfires, wildfire preparedness, and prevention. We are joined in studio by John Bennett, the District Chief for the Telluride Fire Protection District, as well as the Chair of the West Region Wildfire Council. Also with us is the Executive Director of the West Region Wildfire Council, Jamie Gomez, over Zoom. If you have any comments or questions related to wildfire in our region give us a call 970-728-4333 again 970-728-4333 i'm going to throw this question out at at both of you so feel free to whoever wants to answer can answer um but chief bennett earlier you had mentioned the the marshall fire a, a very large fire we had in our state last year um and i'm for both of you i mean what have you learned from a lot of these big fires we've had in colorado over the last few years our state seems to have become one of you know the many states that is now just a, a sort of wildfire synonymous state um and as you saw a lot of these fires play out over the last few years what are some of the things that you all have learned or or realized and whoever has thoughts can answer jamie go ahead <laughs> okay um well you know we've uh internally with our staff we've definitely been talking about the marshall fire and um trying trying to learn from what happened there um, certainly, I'm anticipating a official report to come out of that fire, as as happens with many large wildfires. Um, and so, I, I definitely am eager to read that and 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 learn about the findings related to it. At least initially, what I've heard is a few things. One, you know, I mentioned about embers being the leading cause of home ignitions during many wildfires. I think with this one in particular. Um, I don't know if we could say the same is true with this. Um, and and so, um, you know, when you have an area, this was essentially on the, you know, the high plains of, uh, you know, basically the, the eastern slope, if you will, of Colorado, um, you don't have necessarily like forest land in the area. You have high grasslands. Um, and then, you know, placed on top of that, you have um, essentially what amounts to is high density developments. And so when you get a, a wildfire that moves through those high, uh, those grasslands and then 
um, comes up to the community. It's a different, it's, it's still certainly wildfire, um, but it's a different type of situation than maybe what we could experience in a lot of parts of San Miguel County. Um, and when you have that level of high density homes, um, one thing that we start to see is um, essentially home to home ignition. So in other words, the heat and the embers coming out of the home itself from, from one home that's ignited um, is actually transferring over and igniting its neighboring home. And essentially what uh, those, those professionals and experts in the field would call an urban conflagration. Um, and so an urban conflagration is kind of represents a whole new set of challenges. Um, and certainly um, it's extremely difficult. One thing, um, I don't remember the exact stats on this, but there is essentially a, a ton of fuel within a home. Uh, I heard one person tell me, uh, it de described a home as essentially um, a bunch of dry um, kindling uh, wrapped in and, and filled up with petroleum products. Um, so homes themselves are a significant source of fuel. Um, they, they can also generate um, uh, copious quantities of embers themselves. So you may have had uh, home to home ignitions as well as ember driven ignitions within that. But from what I understand, um, and this was maybe true with the Waldo Canyon fire, which was way back um, in Colorado Springs and some other similar types of fires across the country is that uh, in addition to all of that, um, another factor that's likely driving it is uh, fences, um, in particular wooden fences that actually essentially connect all of the homes to each other um, as, as they're built. And, um, and so when you get a fence on fire, wooden fence on fire, it carries the, the, that fire right to the home and maybe potentially to two homes uh, you know, if you have a common fence between two properties as, as you see so often. So to me, you know, just kind of stepping back from all of that, it really does start to think about, you really have to start thinking about, um, you know, the codes and the ordinances associated with um, development um, and um, what kinds of things are we uh, going to permit, if you will, in terms of building in these areas. And, um, I think that that is a kind of a whole separate uh, discussion, perhaps even a whole separate off the record discussion, yeah. um, to be honest. But um, certainly that's another aspect to this entire discussion in a lot of ways is, is um, codes and ordinances um, that, you know, local governments, whether that be a county or a city uh, municipality um, could be potentially enacting to, um, change the way we actually develop and build moving forward. And certainly that is something that um, counties within our region and across the state are looking at and, uh, and doing, making changes to their land use and building codes. Chief Bennett, is there any specifics you can add on, on our local building codes? Well, I, I think from my perspective, for the first time in some time, um, all of our municipalities in the fire district are on the same code. So that's encouraging. But you look at the variety of codes and, and when they were built, they were built to code at the time. It's often difficult to go backwards unless that homeowner is willing to do that and, and make the appropriate um, adjustments. So that's a difficult, but moving forward to Jamie's point, I think you're gonna see not only um, regional or, or local governments, but you're also seeing legislation that is, is exploring the, the thought of changing 
building codes in the state of Colorado to better um, navigate this this wooey situation that that we're all dealing with. Mm. And then the same question to you, Chief Bennett. I mean, thinking about some of the large fires we've had in Colorado the last few years, any any lessons learned that you and your teams have taken? Well, I think just observationally, when we started this, and Burn Canyon at the at the time was maybe the third largest uh, in the state of Colorado, and that was 2002. And I think every time we go, wow, that was an abnormality, or that was, you know, you you identify some special aspects that the fire was, and and every year we seem to to change that record and not for the better so you know i think part of it's the depth of the force i think part of it's the the changing environment and you know from my perspective i think we're as as well suited to respond to our community as we ever have been and and a big piece of that is not only the local resources here and we've got an amazing team of volunteers and staff and you know in fact i've got 10 at the Colorado uh, Incident Wildfire uh, Academy in, in Salida this week. And so that continued education. But, you know, there's a lot that still is unknown and, and you know, wind and topography and, you know, all of those things play in together in, in often very unique ways. And the Marshall is a great example. Middle of winter, weird. Okay. The juxtaposition of homes, the building you know, the building materials, the grasslands, I think all of that plays in, you know, home igniting home, igniting home at an 80 mile an hour wind that is sustained. And, you know, it's like be- being on the backside of a, a jet engine. Mm. And so a lot of unique factors that I, I think we continue to experience and try and navigate with research and data um, and, and try and apply that to our community. And a big part from my perspective is that you know, with talks like this or with organizations like the West Region Wildfire Council that people get out, educate themselves and, and make good choices for themselves. Mm. You know, and, and when we have an event, yep, 911 is going to work great. We're going to try and address the problem. But a, a big piece of that and a big part of the sheriff, Bill Masters and myself is, is prepare and, and be responsible for yourself. Understand where you're your meeting places are with your family, understand your evacuation routes, Um, sign up for code code red and and pay attention to your local news feeds and and your Twitter pages if you're you're one of those tech type folks, which most of us today are. So, um, you know, part of it is just that interactive um, education and and information gathering Mm -hmm. and being ready and having your stuff that that matters to you either well well protected or or understand what you've got to get into the vehicle to get out Hmm. as um i mean as we're kind of thinking i mean jamie a lot of the stuff that you all deal with i realize is very much you know prevention and doing as much as you can in the time before and, and and chief bennett what you're kind of alluding to now is really you know when something like this happens, I mean, you're going to have to have steps that you're going to um, have to take. And Chief Bennett, I actually want to ask you, can you really go through the um, the detailed accounting of actually what happens at, at the, the governmental level? If if there is a big wildfire, what are the plans in place for, for the structures of government and, and dealing with that that would then kick into place? So from our perspective, you know, you're going to get the 911 page. There's going to be an assessment. There's going to be 
you know, an active, if possible, um, effort to to dismantle the problem. Um, as those events grow larger, um, we exceed our cap capability. I'm going to partner with the sheriff. The sheriff is the fire warden for San Miguel County per state statute. Um, when it exceeds our capability, we look to DFPC and uh, the counties participate in a, a, a fund called the Emergency Fire Fund, EFF, and we try and tap that. So there's always this, this kind of snowball effect of involving the next government structure above us to assist. When you look at some of these incredibly large fires, it goes to the federal level with FEMA. And part of that's not only for the, the operational stuff, but the recovery. Mm. So uh, there are a lot of steps to it <clears throat> and processes that, that um, are negotiated at a local level and, and continue up through to the Fed level. So it's fairly complicated, but um, you know, fortunately, we've gone as high um, recently with the Green Meadows fire to uh, the state level. And we did, we do risk assessments and determine uh, hazards at risk, and then who's going to pay for the show. Mm -hmm. um, Jamie, Chief Ben, alluding to kind of you know really the you know preparations <coughs> to have in place, so if a fire does happen, you can get out safely and be safe. And I'm curious from the West Region Wildfire Council perspective, I mean, do you all have any recommendations for you know the things to have ready in case something like that really does happen? Well, you know, uh, Chief Bennett kind of hit on it. Um, certainly, I'll, I'll repeat a few of them and, and maybe elaborate a little bit more on some of it. Um, certainly, you know, signing up for the county's um, emergency notification system, which Chief Bennett mentioned as code red, would be an important one uh, by all means. Um, basically, uh, all, you know, the emergency manager and the, and the whole system uh, for the incident man, incident command system uh, has the ability to reach out to landlines uh, to notify people. Um, however, um, not necessarily cell phones or emails. And so that's where signing up for Code Red uh, means that you'll actually get those notifications to your cell phone and your email address if you opt in for that. And certainly um, I'm not part of a minority anymore. I don't even have a, a landline. so. Um, that's a pretty important thing to, to get signed up for. Outside of that, um, I guess a couple other things that maybe Chief Bennett didn't mention is um, really thinking about, you know, your uh, obviously your family members. So having a, a plan in place for, you know, if, if we get separated or if someone's at school and someone's at work and someone's at home or whatever, that you have um, a plan like, you know, if we all get evacuated towards Norwood, we all get evacuated towards Telluride, if we all get evacuated towards, I don't know, Dolores, uh, that we'll, we have some uh, meetup and rendezvous spots um, because oftentimes what can happen, especially in a large wildfire, is that communications can uh, essentially come down. Uh, cell towers and things can, can be uh, out and even power can be out. And so um, it can kind of be a, a bit of a chaotic uh, moment. And so having some of those kind of pre-plans in place um, and then you know, especially, you know, in, in um, especially in like Western San Miguel County, but really anywhere throughout the area, if you have pets or livestock, having some um, plants in place for that. You have a, uh, a trailer to get some of your livestock out. Um, and if not, who does? And, uh, and, and where can you take your animal? All, all those kinds of things 
um, because that be, that um, from what I understand with a lot of wildfires can become a, a significant issue and I would imagine would be for our community in this area is um, just you know dealing with those kinds of issues um, and then certainly you know um, you know your important documents your important things um, I know some people and it's a, I would say a recommendation is to actually have like a go bag essentially a bag uh, that you know if if called upon in a moment's notice you could grab um, and um, throw it in your vehicle um, because unfortunately um, depending on this, the circumstances you may not have much time um, you know often you know it seems like oftentimes as they you know that ready set go principle that there may be uh, uh, some early notifications like just be ready and then be set to go and then go um, that's a that's a really important thing but um, you know even ahead of all that you know having having uh, you know your go bag and I think there's some resource I know there's some resources online some checklists of things to put in that go bag I don't have it in front of me um, but I, I would um, recommend ready set go um, as as a, a place to go and learn more about that I I, I believe Tyred Fire and San Miguel Emergency Management. Uh, San, uh, San Miguel Sheriff's Office have some additional information related to that. Um, but really just kind of thinking about all those possibilities ahead of time and having some communication about that, having a conversation. Um, maybe one additional thing I'll add is, um, you know, I think Bennett talked about, you know, knowing your evacuation routes. I can think of a handful of areas in San Miguel County where um, there isn't a lot of good options um, for getting in and out of your community, but there may be some back road uh, ways out. And um, if you're new to the area or just haven't or aren't super familiar, I would recommend actually driving those and knowing what your uh, other ways of getting out of your community are. Um, it might be some forest roads or some other back uh, county roads that you probably don't typically drive, but just knowing that you can and knowing where they lead to you and and driving those so you're familiar and comfortable with it so that if the circumstances arise that a wildfire is is you know in your in your immediate vicinity and you need to evacuate um you have some familiarity with that um you know so those are a few things that i would be recommending for folks in kind of that preparedness mode i would add a couple of things so digitize the documents that matter put them in the cloud um, secondly, that code red is absolutely critical. With the one ways in, one way out, you may be asked to shelter in place. You may be asked to go a specific direction. Uh, with regard, and I appreciate Jamie's comment about understanding, you know, kind of your your area and where you're at and where roads lead to and where they, they dump out to a more major thoroughfare. Um, it's important to also understand. But if you get that that sinking feeling in your in your gut or your your intuition is telling you it's time to go it's time to go for you don't wait for direction put yourself in a good position and i you know i'll continue to circle back to the, kind of that individual action um takes a huge load off of your emergency responders act early and, and you can always come back you know we teach our folks if you feel like you need the whole fire district responding call them and you can stand them down later but you know if we have those events we're going to call big early and go after it and you know for those residents out there if you if you have that trepidation about where you should be 
find a safe location mm. and start moving early. If you see the fire on the horizon, don't wait for someone to tell you there's a fire on the horizon. Yeah. Um, Chief Bennett, I you know I'll lay. I, I think I've mentioned this on on previous shows, but I'll you know lay the cards on the table that that um, one thing that sticks with me. I was in I think it was a county commissioner meeting last year, and they were talking about fire safety and such. And you know I mean it had come up. I mean the probably worst case scenario like you know i mean if i could use curse words on on this program i would use a curse word to describe how scary this would be um would be you know a giant fire on the fourth of july or something like that and thinking about our box canyon and the challenges of accessing it through one road and that sort of a thing and i mean just the thought of that really sends just an absolute shiver up my spine um and so i guess what i would ask of you is i mean (laughs) Can you say anything to allay those fears? I mean, how do you all think about that kind of like worst case scenario situation and how equipped we are to keep folks safe and alive during that? I think it's a very real fear and can't say I'm that far off. Um, you know, we're going to do our best to get people in the, the right direction while still maintaining some availability to get a response in. If it gets, you know, and starts punching up, you know, depending on wind directions and all of that stuff, it's it's going to be an interesting scenario. And it's hard to identify, okay, if this happens, you're going to go here because we don't understand what the weather dynamics or what the fuel types, you know, how far it's going to run. Fire generally runs uphill, but not always. So, you know, it's, it's all of those things kind of on the fly with the education that we provide our folks and, and the best decision making that that we can access and we do access our folks from dfpc to the forest to the blm um pretty rapidly mm. um for both of you do you both have go bags and if so what's in them you want to go jamie mine's easy <laughs> um you know i'm gonna be honest here i actually don't so i um i need to do that I, i'll be honest I don't have a go bag. Um, I do, you know, keep track of information. I, do, I live in Ridgeway. Um, certainly, um, there's there's certainly wildfire potential though in you know in Ridgeway. Yeah, Chief Bennett. My go bag is is based off of personal protective equipment. Hmm. It's a lot of. I'll be going towards. Everybody will be going away, as will my crews. So. You know, and that's that's another tough thing in in small communities like this is is also ensuring the safety of your responders and their families. So it's always going to be a big balance. And you know, I'd always prefer to respond to something in somebody else's neighborhood because you don't have those issues. Yeah. And that's why we continue to develop that pay forward um, for response because mm-hmm. the folks that are going to come see us, their families are safe, and you know, we got to provide for that as well. And I hope the community recognizes that, that, you know, it's, it's really two-sided. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, this is Off the Record. I'm Matt Hoysh from the Coto News team. We have with us in studio John Bennett, chief of the Telluride Fire Protection District and chair of the West Region Wildfire Council. Joining us over Zoom is Jamie Gomez, executive director of the West Region Wildfire Council. If you couldn't tell from those titles, we're having a show about wildfire prevention, preparedness, all of the above. If you have a question or a comment for either Chief Bennett or for Jamie, give us a call, 970-728-4333. Again, that phone number, 970-728-4333. Um, Chief Bennett, I'll throw this one at you, actually. One other piece of, of 
preparedness that I want to touch on um, is smoke and, and really how you can be safe when there's wildfire smoke. And I'm wondering if you have any, you know, tips and, and things that folks can have stored up to really make sure that, you know, if there's a, a fire and a lot of smoke that they're staying safe. So for me, it's a couple of things. If you know that, that smoke would be a risk to you, stay inside or put yourself in an environment that is far healthier. That might mean moving north to Montrose or south to Cortez or whatever that looks like. Our stream, our airstream typically comes from the south-southwest, uh, but you've seen wildfires that kind of drop smoke into our valley and it, it lingers. Um, you know, you can go to airnow.gov and it will give you kind of a, um, a visual of where smoke is coming from and what concentrations. I believe uh, the Colorado Department of, of uh, Environment, Public Health and Environment, also has a website that will show uh, air quality on a daily basis in, in many of our Colorado communities. So I would take a look at those and, and have that plan from air purification in your home to being able to shut the windows and, and protect yourself. Hmm. Jamie, I also want to tap into some of your more regional expertise. As you had mentioned earlier, really, the, the West Region Wildfire Council is, has several counties participating in it. Um, and wildfires, of course, do not observe county boundaries. So I think it's important to really consider our region as a whole. Can you really just talk about, I mean, is there anything that makes our region, this, this West region, unique when it comes to wildfires? And what are sort of the characteristics um, to take into consideration when thinking about how wildfires could play out and do play out in our region specifically? Well, um, you know, in terms of wildfires, I don't know if there's anything super unique about our area. I mean, um, you know, we have, uh, I, what, I guess what I can say is maybe what is unique about our area is that, you know, we have uh, a major gradient of change um, in ecosystems, essentially from our valley bottoms, you know, thinking about say Montrose and that the valley bottom on the Uncompahgre Valley all the way up to 14,000 feet. And within that, you have a mix of different ecosystems, uh, you know, shrubs and, uh, excuse me, sagebrush, you know, flats to pinyon juniper woodlands, to ponderosa pine stands, to, um, you know, Douglas fir and mixed tonifer up to into our higher elevation um, spruce and subalpine fir ecosystems. And each of those um, has uh, fire is, behaves differently in each one of those and so um you know thinking about that there's there's just different considerations for how we need to be prepared and and um do different types of forest management activities throughout all those i guess kind of on the note though what i do think is unique about this west region even more so than our ecosystems and diversity and that is um what we have in terms of the people in the communities um, one thing that uh, really impressed me when I started working for the council was just how um, cohesive all of the different, uh, you know, county governments as well as fire protection districts and um, state agencies and federal uh, land management partners, how all of those folks um, really are engaged in working and communicating together. Um, and I think Maybe part of that is just that, you know, here on the Western Slope, we're, we don't have a lot of population. We have a huge land uh, to, to take care of, and we love our, our public lands and our mountains and our rivers and everything. Um, but there's a, only a small group of people that actually live out here, uh, especially when you compare it to, say, the Front Range. 
And so we, um, you know, here on the Western Slope, uh, we have to essentially take care of ourselves. There's kind of a bootstrap mentality. And um, I think uh, in order to be effective in doing that, we have to take care of each other. And so, you know, Bennett was talking about sort of how wildfires work um, with the mutual aid agreements that exist between all these fire districts and uh, state and federal resources. Um, those kinds of connections uh, go beyond just the fire management realm, uh, but really can it, uh, are, are, I think what our real strength is um, across this entire region. And so it's something that we're trying to continue to capitalize on and strengthen is all that collaboration uh, between everyone so that um, we can we can do our best to, you know, be adaptive and resilient to um, a changing climate and uh, increased wildfire and drought and all those kinds of factors that are really kind of outside of our, our control. Hmm. We've only got a, a few minutes left here, but I'm going to try and plow through a, a couple more, maybe bigger questions. Um, Chief Bennett, we were supposed to have Megan Eno on from the Forest Service, but unfortunately sure. Megan uh, got caught up in some meetings and we were very sad to miss her for this hour. Um, but when she had mentioned she wouldn't be on, she had said you actually might be able to answer this. And so I'll just throw it out at you. But she was um, thought that you'd be able to talk about some of the proposed fire mitigation work in town that is, is in the works right now. Sure. Uh, just a, a sneak peek, I suppose. Um, we're working and Jamie could fill in with this as well. Um, the San Miguel Upper Watershed. Um, we formerly had a San Miguel uh, wildfire working group. Um, we're really looking at kind of the front hillside. I, th I think we're now calling it the Boomerang uh, Road project, but to do some thinning in there, and, and that's kind of a connection of our lower valley with kind of the, the lower edge of the town of Mountain Village and, and then migrating south into more of our, our evergreen forest type stuff and, and trying to find a balance of of creating some some healthier forest zones and and doing mitigation in that work and and i think that that may be a start point but really looking at kind of the larger scale that that jamie had talked about earlier larger landscape scale type treatments that either protect communities or or at least um, reduce the fire carry in a in a crown fire scenario and and maybe push that more towards a ground fire which is easier to to take care of a with fire crews hmm. jamie would you add to that yeah um yeah i mean just kind of adding on um i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll mention a couple other names you mentioned megadina who is our district ranger out of the norwood ranger district but um uh, Star Jamison, who's um, the works for San Miguel County, I believe her title is uh, Natural Resources uh, Specialist and Special Projects, and she's uh, been, you know, convening uh, this group of, of a variety of stakeholders, which includes obviously West Region Wildfire Council and Telluride Fire, also uh, the U.S. Forest Service, um, as well as the town of uh, Telluride, the town of Mountain Village, and uh, kind of like. And, and others, I should say, um, and I apologize if I'm missing anyone, um, but, uh, and others kind of looking at um, some different options um, and opportunities for, you know, doing some um, pre-fire forest management work to um, change, you know, hopefully um, improve safety and resilience for the community. Um, and so that's that's been uh, something that we've been working in, in a collaborative environment on and trying to participate in those meetings. 
and um, really looking at some solutions out there, um, really kind of actually in line with sort of that uh, worst case scenario, Matt, that you mentioned earlier in the in the Box Canyon, or are there some things that we can be doing um, right now to change uh, conditions so that if a fire happens here in in our in the in in that Telluride and Mountain Village uh, in that Box Canyon area, um, are there things we can be doing right now to change and restore forest health um, so that uh, it's more resilient and it gives uh, firefighters a chance to potentially control that fire, hold it in, and uh, give firefighters and emergency responders a, a better chance with things. Um, so that is something that um, all those all those entities involved with have been meeting on a regular basis to discuss and uh, coordinate and plan. Well, just a few minutes left I have. I really have two more questions. And the first one, I really don't want to do this hour without also quickly discussing um, are there measures folks can take to make sure that they're not the ones who start fires? I think we have preparedness, and also I think you would never really want to be the one who starts one of these fires. Um, but, Jamie or Chief Bennett, are, are there tips you have for just d not being the person to start the fire? Sure. I think with our tools that we use in the outdoor, I'll use motorcycles or, or chainsaws, making sure that they have uh, spark arrest uh, technologies on them. Uh, if you're out and, and we're not in fire restrictions, that you're in established camp rings and, and be observant. When you put your fire out, make sure that it is truly out. That means cold to the back of your hand and not just to the top of the fire, but really stir that up. Jamie? Yeah, I mean, there's, um, in terms of prevention, yeah, I think those are some of the main ones. Um, you know, just really being careful and cognizant about what you're doing outside uh, in general. There's a lot of different ways that um, ignitions can start during uh, during those really hot and dry kind of red flag conditions. Um, so just being very cognizant of that, uh, of all your actions, because um, like, like Chief Bennett was saying, um, you know, some of the small equipment like uh, uh, lawnmowers and, uh, and uh, weed whackers and things like that can actually start wildfires. Um, and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the cigarette butt that you always think of. So, um, certainly any kind of ignition source, um, being very careful with that. Well, the last question I'm going to have before we wrap up the hour, um, to both of you, this, this is kind of scary stuff. I mean, I'm not feeling the best after this conversation, I won't lie. Um, but to both of you, I mean, how do you, how do you both live with all this psychologically? How do you, how do you live in this world 24 <laughs> seven and not get too bogged down? Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> well, well, for me, uh, to be honest, I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction out of seeing the on the ground work that our organization is helping to to do. So, um, seeing the projects, the wildfire mitigation projects, the the forest uh, health and forest management projects that are happening on the ground is is tremendous. To see homeowners taking action uh, by you know installing that five foot hardened zone and and doing those kinds of things. Um, I, I think that actually provides a tremendous amount of hope for me uh, on this on this topic. Chief Bennett? I, I think a lot of the same lines. I think the other piece that that helps me is, is having a peer set that we're all dealing with the same thing. And, and when you have those tough days or, or you need help, you've got somebody to reach out and touch. Um, and to Jamie's point, I, I think as we continue down this path, 
the increased participation at a parcel level from our community is is encouraging and and certainly we wish all of us wish we could put more work on the ground and you know it's it's a time and space continuum but you know people are engaged and and i would say his staff is is moving <laughs> far above their capacity and they're still killing it they're doing great work and and i couldn't be more proud as as the chair of, of the board and, and as a partner. And I think that's what, you know, helps me, you know, on those tough days, navigate to the next day is, is just knowing that you have support and, and we're on equal ground with kind of our, our design mission and, and, and visions. Well, luckily, this is um, not the last conversation we're going to be having. I'm sure we'll have many more off the records about this, but also this coming Sunday, there is a, um, a community wildfire education event, an ice cream social, fire and ice, this Sunday from 4 to 7 at Heritage Plaza, and a lot of the, the fire protection district folks, I understand, are going to be there helping answer questions and educate people? Correct, as well as the West Region and uh, the Forest Service. So our partners will be there. Um, if you have kids, we'll have a couple of engines uh, for kind of a touch the truck and uh yeah i think it's it's equally a community event that uh has some some great components of education and touch with with the folks that really care about the local community here in, in the west region hazard zone of colorado hmm. and free ice cream <laughs> if you have that sweet tooth for sure there's that too well anyway we are at the end of our time but i'm so 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 grateful for jamie gomez executive director of the west region wildfire council and john bennett district chief of the telluride fire protection district and chair of the west region wildfire council both of you thank you from the the bottom of my heart for joining for this hour i think it was a really important conversation thanks for having us Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Coda Radio. Mm. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope that you took something valuable for this. This is, uh, I think, definitely falls under the category of, of news you can use, as we like to say. Anyway, stay tuned. We're going to have more music after this, more news tomorrow. This is KOTO Telluride. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,